Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome back to the Liberty Update with Convention of States, where we give you your need-to-know news from an Article 5 convention perspective. Before we jump into today's headlines, make sure to follow us on conventionofstates.com and our social media platforms to stay up to date on all that we're doing in the fight to save liberty. There are several very consequential topics revolving around in the news this week. Some key items that we will be covering on the podcast today include the debt limit deadline now approaching, a Biden policy that punishes people with good credit, polling data on the dangerous drugs flowing across the southern border, and the World Health Organization's global pandemic treaty, which experts say the Biden administration is a co-conspirator in pushing along. That's what's coming up here on the Liberty Update. Most of you are probably aware that our national debt is seriously out of hand. Uncle Sam should have capped our national debt limit and stuck to it years ago, but instead he has continued to saddle future generations with the crushing and unbearable burden of paying this generation's hefty expenses. America's debt ceiling the maximum amount of money the federal government is allowed to borrow is basically just another cause for wasting time and squabbling on Capitol Hill. In the end, it is always raised anyways. Recklessly, our elected officials keep spending, heedless of their supposedly restricted budget, driving DC into a self-induced crisis and leaving themselves with no choice but to lift the ceiling whenever they hit their limit. At this point, the cycle is inevitable and predictable. Our debt ceiling has never been reduced. The concept of having a debt ceiling, although perhaps useful if actually adhered to, has become nothing more than an embarrassing joke and reminder that the federal government is grossly irresponsible. Between 1962 and 2011, the federal debt limit was raised 74 times during the Obama presidency alone the debt limit increased by a whopping $6.8 trillion. For reference, under Bill Clinton, our debt ceiling peaked at $6 trillion in 1977. Today it stands at $31.4 trillion, and apparently not even that is enough. In other words, the federal government may have a debt ceiling as a veneer of fiscal responsibility, but considering how habitually the limit has been raised, it means next to nothing. But it's that time of year again. Once again, Congress is embroiled in an intense debt limit debate as the U.S. staggers dangerously close to defaulting on some of its debt. And guess what? After vowing not to, House Republicans, led by Speaker Kevin McCarthy, voted to raise the limit. However, as the New York Times reported, quote, Democrats will never accept the House bill. Instead, they are insisting on a debt limit measure without conditions, because the Republican pass bill contained spending reductions and policy reversals. Republicans will never support that or anything less than what they just endorsed. In other words, the two parties have come to a standoff that will probably drag out until the last possible second, at which point both will agree to yet another debt ceiling increase. Then of course, Congress will just keep up its unchecked spending habits, knowing that next time around, When the federal government hits its borrowing mark, it will simply raise the number again. Although Republicans in particular make sweeping promises to be fiscally responsible, we know that neither party can fix the problem. 
In truth, neither party even seems interested. Overspending has become the norm in Washington, and if we want to fix it, we cannot rely on any inside force. Well, 27 states stood up to the federal government this week, standing against a Biden plan that forces people with good credit scores to subsidize mortgage loans of higher risk borrowers. Effectively, it's punishing people who are financially responsible. The plan intends to help low-income borrowers afford monthly mortgage payments by forcing people with good credit scores to pay more every month to help offset the cost. Essentially, it's creating a socialist system in which money is redistributed based on one's economic standing. On Monday, state treasurers and other top finance officials from 27 states called on the White House to revoke this unconscionable policy that was released just a few weeks ago by the Federal Housing Agency. They said that this is clearly a policy that is going to be a disaster. It amounts to a middle-class tax hike that will unfairly cost American families millions. And they concluded by saying, "We urge you to take immediate action to end this unconscionable policy." Well, if one thing is for certain, it's that if over half of the states take a stand against the federal government, there is clearly an issue at hand. The purpose of government was never to punish those who live a financially responsible lifestyle. So that reckless spenders can reap the benefits from Uncle Sam. Again, this is just another example of why we need to rein in the federal government. Last week, we told you guys a bit about the then upcoming "How Many More" rally in the Texas capital of Austin, where Americans would gather to demand. That lawmakers take critical steps to save our nation and secure our border, including declaring an invasion of our southern border, defining Mexican cartels as terror organizations, seizing cartel bank accounts and assets, and establishing a Texas border defense unit to protect Texans. We're happy to report that the event was a huge success, with thousands gathering from across the nation to make their voices heard. As Convention of States President Mark Meckler said after the event, the huge numbers of voters from all political parties showing concern on this issue should be a wake-up call to every politician and bureaucrat in Washington D.C. How many more Americans have to die before the federal government takes the threat of fentanyl streaming across our southern border seriously? Every seven minutes, another American dies from a fentanyl overdose, and month after month. We hear of no real solutions coming out of D.C. Thankfully, states are now stepping up with the Texas legislature, now considering legislation that would allow the state to aggressively address the drug cartels' free reign at the border. New polling confirms that this is a huge issue for Americans that voters are united on. Nearly 90% say that they are concerned about the quantity of fentanyl and other illegal drugs being brought across the southern. U.S. border. That number, of course, crosses bipartisan divides, with 82% of Democrats, 84% of Independents, and 94% of Republicans saying that they are concerned about the large quantity of drugs pouring into our nation. The American people must step up, reach out to their legislatures, and take steps to encourage Texas to pass this bill to secure our border once and for all. This is indeed a humanitarian crisis 
and the American people will not be complicit any longer. Even though you might not be hearing about it in the mainstream media, the World Health Organization is moving forward with the global pandemic treaty that made headlines about one year ago and then died off in the news cycle. But make no mistake, they are moving forward. The draft is in review, they are making edits, they are making proposals, and they are hoping to have it ready for approval by the World Health Assembly next May, 2024. So for a little background context on the Global Pandemic Treaty, it's an agreement that seeks to give ultimate control of future health emergencies to a foreign authority. And that authority is the Director General of the World Health Organization. So it's one individual who assumes power and will become superior to the power of the U.S. and the states and state constitutions. It gained a lot of criticism right when this plan was announced, which is why it appears the World Health Organization has actually rebranded. They've shifted from the name Global Pandemic Treaty to Global Agreement to Protect the World from Future Pandemic Emergencies. So with that background information in mind, many Americans have put their hope in assuming that this treaty needs the approval of the U.S. Senate, which is typical of most treaties, except as constitutional expert Michael Ferris points out, the Biden administration has a plan around this requirement. Biden intends to advance this treaty as an executive agreement and bind the whole country without sending it to the U.S. Senate. Really, uh, it's growing in, in, in scope. And uh, as far as this particular treaty, I think we need to recognize that the Biden administration is not just going along with us. They're a co-conspirator. They, mm. it's, it's WHO and the Biden administration that are leading this effort. Essentially, whoever runs the White House has the power to bind America to this unconstitutional plan. Even on the U.S. Senate's website, it says international agreements not submitted to the Senate are known as executive agreements in the United States, but they are considered treaties and therefore binding under international law. Well, as Michael Ferris points out under Article 6 of our Constitution, treaties become the law of the land, overriding state constitutions. Treaties never used to determine how a country would function internally. But if executed, the World Health Organization would become superior. Ferris also adds that there is a legal strategy that he intends to pursue, but the political strategy and the long-term ultimate cure that our country needs lies in Article 5 of the Constitution and calling for a convention of states. You can listen to the full podcast with legal experts Michael Ferris and Rita Peters on the Convention of States podcast. Well, that's all we have for you this week on the Liberty Update. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like more info on any of these stories, head on over to conventionofstates.com news in order to read more and to see our other latest news articles of the week. 